0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We podcast a Sunday morning Bible class for all of those who are not able to be with us at the building at Sunny Slope Church of Christ each Sunday morning at 930, and also for those who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful that we have the opportunity, the means, and the ability to be able to broadcast God's word on such a widespread basis through the internet, through these podcasts. We're thankful that you're there and you're listening, and we pray for you. We really do. We pray for souls. As we get into God's word each week through these podcasts, that helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow in our faith, because as we keep emphasizing, the scriptures tell us that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Our faith develops more and more as we get more and more into God's Word. We become stronger and stronger spiritually. At least that should be what happens. That is the the equation, if you want to look at it that way, that God has laid out for us in His Word. Now, as we get stronger in our faith, then we should be coming closer to God. And our prayer is that these studies... Are going to help you to be strong in your faith to be a more dedicated christian and if you're not yet a christian they will help you to be ultimately ready to make that commitment to repent of your sins luke 13 and verse 3 confess your faith in christ as god's son and your lord and savior Matthew 10, 32 and 33, and surrendered to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, Acts 22 and verse 16, and you will come into salvation in Christ, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. Our prayers really are for you. We really do pray for you. Now, think about how important it is to be in God's word. If you want God's word to be in you, then you need to be in God's word. These studies are that important. Also, realizing that, think about people in your life who need to be in God's word, who need to have stronger faith, who need to be, well, turning their lives around spiritually. Help them along these lines by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But take that responsibility. Make that commitment and start sharing with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with everybody you can. What a great blessing it will be for somebody to get to heaven, started along that pathway because you got them into God's word by sharing these studies with them. That will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study of the book of Exodus. Well, before we do that, let me remind you to also encourage everyone, and if you've not done this yet yourself, then you take advantage of the opportunity as well, the blessing, to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive these Sunday morning Bible classes, Wednesday night Bible classes. They'll also receive a daily short study, about 13 minutes every day, that we call today's Bible class. And they'll receive also our daily radio program, Monday through Friday, Search the Scriptures, and they'll receive all of our sermons and our sermons are more and more being posted in video format as well as audio format so all of that's there on our website but again the podcasts will be automatic right to your smart device whichever one you choose your computer laptop pad tablet whatever one you choose so encourage everyone to take advantage of this churchofchrist.com And you do so as well, if you have not yet done so yourself. We're at a pivotal point in our study of the book of Exodus. We have been studying through these first uh, number of chapters here, wherein we have been reading about God working through Moses and Aaron progressively to ultimately have them lead the children of Israel, or the na- the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, who would later become the nation of Israel, the Jews, and through whose bloodline the Savior would come into the world by God's direction and guidance. Moses was going to lead these people out of Egyptian bondage. They had been living in Egypt and growing into a nation within that nation for 400 years. But this particular pharaoh he feared their numbers that they might ultimately turn against them and become allies of some foreign power who wanted to conquer egypt and they would fight against the egyptians uh, and and help some foreign ally take them over take over their land well so he made slaves out of them basically They prayed to God. God heard their prayers, and he sent Moses and Aaron to deliver them from Egyptian bondage. Pharaoh did not believe in God, and he hardened his heart a number of times. And then God stepped in, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, made an example of him, to teach him, but also to teach his servants and all the people of Egypt, and undoubtedly, the people in the lands around the nation of Egypt, because they would see basically what was happening, teaching them the idols you worship, they're nothing. They're statues, carvings, images. They're nothing. They're not gods. They're just objects. I am the true God and the only God. So God began sending plagues upon the Egyptians in order, as judgments, in order to impress upon them that he is the true God. The power behind those plagues is incredible. First, the first plague was the all the fresh waters within the land of Egypt turned to blood. The second plague was a plague of frogs. We're not talking about just... Um, <laughs> and and overproduction of frogs around the land. We're talking about an infestation. We're talking about frogs everywhere, all over the place, in people's homes, in their pots and pans, all over the grounds, everywhere. And then the third plague was a plague of lice. Now, if somebody might've thought the frogs were bad, the lice I would think had to have been worse all over everything again, including the Egyptian people themselves. That was followed by a plague of swarms of flies everywhere. Now, we know that flies can be a nuisance if you've got one or two just buzzing around your, your head. Well, just imagine swarms incessantly everywhere. And then the fifth plague was the plague where much of the livestock became diseased and died. That would have been devastating, agriculturally and economically, for the Egyptian people, the nation themselves. The seventh plague was a plague of hail that destroyed a great deal, a huge percentage of the crops in the field. Well, again, agriculturally, food supply was going to be largely destroyed. Economically, that would affect their economy as well, people's incomes. The eighth plague was a plague of locusts. What the hail left in the fields and on the trees, the locusts pretty much ate up. So we're talking about, again, agricultural devastation, and with the agricultural devastation, economic devastation. The ninth plague was a plague of darkness. And I believe we're to understand this was a darkness that was so dense, so thick, that it could basically be felt. One could not see their hand in front of their eyes. Well, what would you do? You'd just be brought to a standstill, basically. Then we come to the ultimate Of the ten plagues and that's going to be the death of the firstborn in the 12th chapter of Exodus as we looked at last time and we went only through about halfway of that halfway through that particular chapter God announced to Moses that he would bring one more plague upon the Egyptians and then Pharaoh would let the Israelites go leave Egypt And God would lead them through Moses' leadership and guidance to the promised land, the promised land that God had promised going all the way back to Abraham, hundreds and hundreds of years before, when he first called Abraham to go to a place that God would show him, ultimately the land of Canaan. And God said that through Abraham's descendants, he would give them that land. And now he was ready to fulfill that promise. Now, we might think, well, why did God take so long, hundreds and hundreds of years? Remember, God is not on our timetable. We are on God's timetable, and we need to respect that. God knows the right time. We want things right now. And so at the right time, God was ready to use Moses to lead the Israelites to the promised land. Now, the Israelites, many of them, a great percentage of them, they'd get kind of hindered along the way as far as their faith was concerned, and so they'd stumble around in the wilderness for another 40 years. But ultimately, God was leading them to the promised land. But now, Pharaoh needed one more lesson, one more lesson in judgment, and this would be the death of the firstborn all of those homes within the land of egypt all of the egyptian homes that would not display the blood of a sacrificial lamb on the lentils and doorposts of their homes the firstborn in all of those homes would die all in one night now the israelites were told to dress their lentils and doorposts of their homes in the blood of a sacrificial lamb as well. But this sacrificial lamb in verse the first part the first half or so of chapter 12 gives us details as to how they were to were to prepare this lamb for food once it had been slaughtered after they had put the blood on the lentils and doorposts of their home they were to eat it with certain other food they were to prepare it in a certain way and they were to eat it with shoes on their feet with garments ready for them to travel they were supposed to eat it standing up so they would be ready to go because after this particular night pharaoh would not only let the israelites go he would drive them out he would drive them out And this sacrificial lamb was something of a foretelling or a prophecy or an image of the ultimate sacrificial lamb that God would send into this world in the person of his own son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. God would send him to die on the cross as the ultimate perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind for all time. So this sacrificial lamb, and this would be remembered every year by the Israelites in the Passover meal, remembering what God did to deliver them from Egyptian bondage. That would be remembered every year, but it it ultimately would be fulfilled in the most ultimate way, through Christ dying on the cross. We don't remember that Passover meal any longer as followers of Christ. He brought that period to a close. He became the ultimate fulfillment as the Passover lamb. And we read about that imagery in the book of Revelation. So the meal is established, the instructions as to how to prepare it, how to eat it, what to eat it with. Again, standing up, shoes on your feet, ready to travel. Because after this night, after you've eaten this meal, as the death angel passed through the land and passed over your homes with the blood of the lamb over the lentils and on the doorposts, Pharaoh would drive you out, and God would lead you through Moses to the promised land. We come to verse 29 in chapter 12. This is the 10th plague, the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck, the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. Now think about that. Now we've talked about how the plagues the first nine plagues devastated the devastated the nation of egypt agriculturally economically now this final ultimate 10th plague is devastating them population wise how many would die within the land if you stopped and thought about the firstborn in every household through every bloodline how many would that be, that would die that night, all at once, incalculable, I would think, from our human perspective, but it would be just an incredible number, all in one night. It would not just be the death of the firstborn of the children in a home, but the parents who might be firstborn from their parents before them they would die as well just an incredible number so at midnight that the lord struck all the firstborn in the land of egypt from the firstborn of pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and also again and all the firstborn of livestock now remember one of the plagues was a disease of the livestock. And undoubtedly a great many of the livestock died at that time, again devastating the nation of Egypt, agriculturally and economically. But now, what's left? The firstborn of all the livestock dies as well. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, For there was not a house, not a house, where there was not one dead. And I suspect in many houses there was more than one who died that night. A great cry in Egypt? Can you imagine the mourning? Can you imagine the wailing? Can you imagine the parents and the grandparents, the siblings crying? Through the night, as the death of the firstborn became reality in every house, the text says. Then he, that is Pharaoh, called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said and take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also pharaoh finally was learning the lesson that he and he might have looked at himself as a god well that was foolhardy but he no longer could expect the idols the images the statues that he worshiped before as being true gods at least not he might still have held some kind of belief along that line but they were no match for the one true god the god of heaven and earth god himself and so he tells moses go get out leave You and all the people of Israel, go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, take your herds, be gone. And then he says, and bless me also. What if Pharaoh had learned his lesson right off the bat, so to speak? Could Egypt have been spared the people, the nation, from all of the effects of all of those plagues? Well, certainly. But how different might it have been if Pharaoh had actually softened his heart early on and turned to God himself and been a great example for his own people, the Egyptians, in encouraging them, influencing them to follow God? Well, we can only speculate, can't we? Of course, that's not what happened. And so what we have been reading and studying as the reality. That's what came to be. In verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. Well, again, these were people who were very superstitious because that was a natural mindset, and emotional kind of reality to people who worshiped idols. And so they saw all of those who died in every house, all the firstborn. And so they're telling now the people of Israel, the Israelites, please leave. And in their mind, they're thinking it could get worse. We could all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes and on their shoulders. So the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. Oh, this was one of the the prophecies that God gave through Moses that as the people leave, the Egyptians are going to give them valuables. Again, further devastating the nation economically. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them whatever they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. The Egyptian people gave these things to the Israelites willingly. Willingly. Now, remember farther back that the servants of Pharaoh, they became convinced please do what moses says you know this is too powerful their god too powerful give in pharaoh would not undoubtedly many a great multitude of the people of, of egypt themselves must have come to the same conclusion all of these these maladies all of these plagues were coming upon them they were suffering they probably had been convinced to one degree or another long before this and wished that Pharaoh would let the Israelites go. But now, and it's not that they're, they're when it says in, in verse 36 that the Israelites plundered the Egyptians, it wasn't by force. It wasn't violent. They simply asked and the Egyptian people gave them what they asked for, willingly. In verse 37, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides besides children. So the children of Israel, they journeyed, 600,000 men on foot, besides children. Well, how many children would there have been? How many women would there have been? We're talking about probably a basically a nation of people population-wise by this time that probably numbered well over a million, maybe up to three million individuals. A mixed multitude went up with them also and flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait nor had they prepared provisions for themselves now we're talking about they have been going through all of this period with all of these plagues being sent by God upon the people of Egypt not most of them not on the Israelites but all the but all the Egyptians this has been going on for a long period of time and now after one night, they're being driven out of the land. Well, what if you found yourself in a position where overnight you had to leave? Well, you'd be leaving a lot of stuff behind, wouldn't you? You'd be carrying some things with you, you know, in a hasty way. And that was their, their case, their situation. Now, the sojourn of the, of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years 430 years since Joseph brought his father and brothers and their households into Goshen, that favorable portion of Egypt, where they grew from less than a hundred people, perhaps, initially, again, to a mighty population, basically the size of a nation themselves, probably somewhere. Well, over a million souls, maybe up to three million, when you count the men, the women, and the children. So it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel, throughout their generations, they would remember the Passover meal for the rest of their generations, all the way until the coming of the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, and his dying on that cross. Verse 43, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten and shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Very specific instructions, in other words, for eating of the Passover meal, the preparation and who could eat it and so on. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. All the males must be circumcised in order to be able to eat the Passover meal, was God's instruction. And then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you thus all the children of israel did as the lord commanded moses and aaron so they did and it came to pass on that very same day that the lord brought the children of israel out of the land of egypt according to their armies they were delivered pharaoh had learned his lesson at least on a surface level basis for the moment I suspect that the people of Egypt, a great many of them, learned their lesson, at least to a great extent, that God is the God, the only God, and we need to follow him faithfully and obediently and consistently. There is none like him. No, not one. What a great lesson for us today lesson that we need to learn and that we need to live by we'll pick up with chapter 13 next time let's pray together father you are the true god the only true god you are almighty there is no one no thing no being like you thank you father for loving us so much thank you for making the way for us to be with you for all of eternity as you have sent your Son into this world as our Savior. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Help people to open their eyes and see your majesty, your might, see you as God, and come to you through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Thank you for loving us and letting us love you, Father. We pray for souls. Please forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.